0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. There are lots and lots of prophecies in the Bible about the world to come, about the future kingdom of God. But before I... Look into those, I, I want to look at a few other aspects of prophecy, so that when we when we look at them we have a much clearer idea of uh, of, of what we 're looking at. So what I would like to do is I first to look briefly at the difference between a prediction and a prophecy. I would look like to look at three different types of prophecy, and they will be fulfilled, partially fulfilled and unfulfilled and then finally, when we 've done that sort of bit of homework. We will look at some of the prophecies about the world to come. So let's start with this idea about well, what is a prophecy? Because sometimes people think well, a prophecy is and a prediction are the same things. Oops, gone too far. Um, here we go. This was a prediction that was made in 1962. It was a it was a President Kennedy had a very famous speech. Uh, the uh, university, September 12, 1962. And at the end of his speech, he says, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they are hard. So in that statement, he, he is making two predictions. He's making, A, that they will go to the moon, and B, it will be within this decade, so it will be within the 1960s. That is that is what he is saying. And we know, partly because we've just saw the slide before, but this came to pass. On 20th of July, 1969, just about within the decade, man landed on the moon. So some people say, well, is that is that a prophecy then? Because he, he said something was going to happen, and it did. Well, no, not, not really, and I'll explain why. This, if you like, is the timeline um, of the 1960s and 70s, and we'll be using timelines a lot this afternoon. So the statement we choose to go to the moon in this decade, happened in 1962. It was then in 1969 that the famous words, that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, by Neil Armstrong, happened in 1969. So the actual time span between the two things happening, six years, ten months. There wasn't a particularly long time between President Kennedy saying, we're going to do this, and it actually happening. The thing about a prediction is a prediction is an educated guess. And it's an educated guess um, often on things that are within the person's control. So when President Kennedy stood up there in 1962, he knew all the facts. He knew how much money the American government was plowing into the space race. He knew the political consequences of not winning the space race. He knew he had to land a man on the moon by the end of the decade because, well, his presidency relied on it. He never actually saw it. But the point being is that he knew that there were things within his control that could directly influence what was going to happen. Same way as I could stand here and say, I predict that I will be finished this talk by quarter two. Now, I know that because I have in my control. I know exactly how long I've got to speak about. I know how long my talk is hopefully will be less than finishing at quarter two but equally if I wanted to at quarter two I could just sit down I have the information and I have the power to say I will be finished by quarter two and I will be finished by quarter two prophecies aren't like that though prophecies are considerably uh, uh, different prophecies can have a short time span I said this was a short time span uh, President Kennedy uh, prediction Six years, ten months. Sometimes there are prophecies that are fulfilled within a matter of years. Equally, though, there are prophecies that are fulfilled over decades or centuries or even millennia. Much, much longer time periods between a prophecy being made and it being fulfilled. The other thing about prophecy, uh, compared to perhaps a prediction, people predict things that they think will happen and they seem quite plausible. So in the 60s, everybody thought it was quite plausible we we're going to land a man on the moon by the end of the, by the, end of the, of the uh, decade. A lot of what we read about prophecies, is it seems to be suggesting that things that are going to happen are, almost seem completely, impl- in, not so much impl- implausible as impossible, which is what we'll come to in the prophecies about the world uh, to come. But what I hope to show this afternoon is that actually... We've seen prophecies that have been predicted, that have come to pass, which have seemed impossible. So that when we look at these other prophecies, which again seem impossible, we can be confident that we know they will happen. The final thing to say about the difference between a prophecy and a prediction is that men make predictions, God (coughs) makes prophecies. All the prophecies that we have in the Bible come from God. They may have come via another person, so we think of the book of the prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah, but we constantly read God said to them to tell the people. It was God who made the prophecy. It was God who's in control. The only exception to that rule is Jesus Christ, God's son who also made prophecies. But they are the only two people that make prophecies and can make prophecies about the world and about the world to come and who we know are true. So I've already said that I want to look at three different types of prophecies. One, which are what we call fulfilled prophecies. Now what this is, is this is if we open our Bibles in one chapter or one book it will predict something's going to happen. A prophecy will be made and actually we see the results of it. We see that it is fulfilled. The other one is a partially fulfilled prophecy. So this may be a prophecy that we read in the Bible And bits of it have come true, but not everything. And then finally, we'll look at the unfulfilled prophecies. Things that the Bible talks about, which obviously have not happened. They are things in the future, they are things to look forward to. They are the prophecies of the world to come, which we shall come to the end of. But, just so that we can have confidence in the Bible prophecies, let's have a look at these first two groups. Fulfilled prophecies and partially fulfilled prophecies. So, this is my timeline for the afternoon. The one we had for the um, 60s was was only sort of like 10 10 blocks long. This is 33. Each one of those little blocks represents a century. So we are looking at about 3,300 years worth of history there. And what we will do is we will look at prophecies and we'll point to the timelines to when they were made so we can work out the difference between when they were made or when they were fulfilled or the length of time that's passed. Just a quick um, warning about the dates. If you look in your Bible and you perhaps look at the introduction to the different books, you'll usually find that a book is written in a range. They, you know, um, Historians sort of, we know approximately when a book may have been written but it's could be like you know a span of a hundred years. What I've done to slightly tidy up the maths is I've I've gone chosen a, a year in the middle. So if you turn if you go, oh, that's not quite right to my Bible, there may be a little bit the the the, the, uh, the the dates may be out by a few decades. But the thing is what you'll see is it doesn't matter because of the scale of time that we're looking at. But that's just to make, if you like, the maths a bit easier. Equally Christ wasn't actually born in AD 0. Again, it's due to the way the clocks, the the, uh, the calendars worked out. But we are going to, for the sake of this, say, AD 0 was uh, around the time that Christ was born. But hopefully it shouldn't make any difference. So, <clears throat> the prophecy that I want to look at, a fulfilled prophecy. One that was prophesied in the Bible and came to fruition actually just shortly after. Um, the Bible to finish being written, is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. This prophecy was given by Jesus. I've said AD 30, it was about then. It was near the end of Jesus' life and this was a prediction that he made about the temple in Jerusalem. Now, all the quotations are will be on the screen. On the screen they are in the King James Version. If you want to follow in, in a different version, then by all means please do. So in Matthew, chapter 24, uh, verses 1 and 2, we read uh, this, this account. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, this was quite shocking to the disciples because they were obviously very proud of this temple and they were saying to Jesus, look at the wonderful, isn't this a great temple? And Jesus is saying, it'll be destroyed. It will be completely destroyed. The prophecy, which I say, Jesus said about about AD 30-ish, actually came to happen, perhaps came to pass, about 40 years later in AD 70. Now, I just want to, to read this, this um, account of what actually happened. According to this uh, the, the commentary that I read on this, it says, In the Wars of the Jews, book 6, Josephus notes that on the eighth day of the Roman month Lu, or the Jewish month Ab, the ramps into Jerusalem were finished and Titus ordered the battering rams brought up and made ready for an assault on the temple. With the battering rams in place, the Roman siege of Jerusalem, which began at Passover that year, would come to an end. As soon as the walls were breached and on the 9th of Ab in 70 AD, a Roman military force of about 30,000 troops under the command of Titus marched into Jerusalem and began a systematic slaughter of the Jews and the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem itself. The Romans slaughtered an estimated 600,000 people in Jerusalem, including many of the Passover visitors who had been trapped there for the 143 days during the Roman siege. Many of the people who were not killed by Roman soldiers were shipped off to the gladiatorial games, Roman mines and otherwise exiled from Judea and scattered throughout the Roman Empire and other nations. By the year 73 AD all traces of a self-ruling Jewish nation had completely disappeared. What we're seeing here on the screen is the Titus Arch in Rome and this shows um, the the Roman soldiers taking the, uh, the menorah out of the um, of the uh, temple and, and taking it back to Rome, which is exactly what happened to it. Now, Jesus Josephus records that the Romans put the city and the temple to the torch, and that these fires were still burning a month later on the eighth day of the Roman month, Roman month, Gorpius, Jewish month of um, Elul. So the magnificent temple that Herod had built, that the disciples were, were praising, was completely destroyed as the fires raged inside and out. These fires were so hot that the gold fittings and the gold gilding inside, uh, on its outside and its inside melted and ran into the cracks between the stones. During the pillaging of the temple, these stones were broken up to get the gold, therefore fulfilling Jesus' prophecy that no stone would be left on another the destruction of the temple was total exactly as Jesus had foretold. So here we have an example of a prophecy which has been completely fulfilled exactly as was uh, as was was prophesied. But the thing about this was that this was not the first time that this prophecy had been made. Jesus was not the first person to make this prophecy. If we go back to our timeline and if we go back to our Bibles, we will see back at around about b c uh, 718 Micah made the prophecy uh, in chapter 3 he says therefore shall Zion for your sake be ploughed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high place of the forest so actually Jesus was just reiterating a prophecy that had happened pre- uh, many years previously about the destruction he was specifically on the temple but as we've just seen from that account by 73 AD there was no trace of it This is what Micah was prophesying back in 718 BC. So actually, the time period between the original prophecy and the prophecy being fulfilled was probably about 788 years. So it's quite a long time. Uh, And I'm sure that the people in Micah's time didn't believe it was going to happen. Possibly even the people in Jesus' time didn't believe it was going to happen. But it happened. And this is a recurring pattern that we see. Prophecies are made, people think they're not going to happen, and they happen. Now, for me, this begs two questions about this particular um, instance with Jesus and the disciples. And they obviously were very proud of their, of their um, temple. But then you think, well, why didn't they know about this prophecy? They must have known that this prophecy in Micah was was there and that the the temple was going to be destroyed, Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Well, there's, there's two ways of looking at that. You could either say, they didn't know. Why would they not know? Well, the truth of the matter is that the majority of the world do not know the prophecies of God. The majority of people in the world have not read the Bible. They have not looked at the prophecies. And even today, when people hear this talk, many will just go... That's very nice, but I'm not interested in the prophecies of God. So, to say, oh, well, they should have known, perhaps they don't. Perhaps they didn't. There are many, many people in the world who do not read prophecy. All oh, well, right, let's say they did that. Let's think, well, there were obviously people that were looking for the Messiah. Perhaps they were. They, were, they, they read their scriptures. They, they knew about this prophecy. Well, perhaps if they did know this prophecy and had read this prophecy, perhaps that then also highlights another trait of human nature which is they chose to ignore it or more likely they chose to think it already happened the thing is that within prophecy and scripture we have lots of prophecies about blessings and lots of prophecies about curses and it's our natural human tendency to try and focus on the ones about the blessings so the disciples knew the prophecies about the Messiah and they knew the Messiah was coming and they could see this and and they were clinging on to these things There were also lots of prophecies about how the Messiah would suffer, which, when we read the Gospel accounts, they seem to have completely forgotten about, even though they're there in black and white. They just don't seem to be registering them, because they don't want to think about that. There is also the chance that they could even have, if they had read this prophecy, said, ah, but this has happened, because they could trace their history back to uh, 586 BC, when when, uh, the Jewish nation was... uh, Held captive and, and, and taken to to Babylon, and they said, "Oh well, that's what that's when it happened. The temple was sort of destroyed then. That's 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 when it happened, and that's when all these prophecies were fulfilled." But they weren't, because these prophecies are extremely explicit. They say, "No no stone will be unturned." When when um, they uh, they they left to go to Babylon, what happened was that the temple was was damaged. Solomon's temple was destroyed, but Nothing else, nothing the way it happened in AD 70. But it does go to show that sometimes there is the risk with with Bible prophecies that we look at them and we then try and make them fit what we think is right. And we've got to be very careful that we're not just trying to mould them into a shape that suits us. The bio, the, yes, you could argue, perhaps these things have been fulfilled earlier. But when you really get down to the nitty-gritty and the detail, they couldn't have been. That could only have been fulfilled at AD 70. So a little bit of a warning to us. But then you think, well, okay. So the disciples may or may not have known about it. What about Jesus? Did did Jesus effectively? Did he just get lucky? This thing happened 40 years after after he made the made the prediction. Jesus, he knew the lay of the land. He knew well, he knew it because he was uh, one of the bi- the biggest antagonizers of it with the Romans. He knew how brutal and how horrendous the Romans were, and so did he make an educated guess. Was it more of a prediction? Did he go, well, actually, I think that this will probably happen. These Romans, they will destroy this place, and so it just happened that he just happened to get the timing about right. Well. Again, that's not the case with prophecies. Pro- prophecies are so specific that you can't just get lucky if you just say that it's going to happen. I think in particular, the one we're going to look at in a moment. Because there's a theory or there's a criticism of, pro- of prophecies that say, if you look at a Bible prophecy at any time in history, you can say it, 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 it is of that time. So that you could say, so if you were in the... So as I said, in this case, the uh, the disciples could look back and say, well, this prophecy's been fulfilled, this prophecy's been fulfilled, and that's the same for time uh, onwards. But that's not the case with the next prophecy we're going to look at. And this is what we are referring to as a partially fulfilled prophecy, a prophecy that's been made. Some of it's come to pass, some of it hasn't. This to me personally, is is the most amazing of of all uh, Bible prophecies. I'll explain why in a moment. It's also one of the most ancient ones. And we're going there, you can see on the timeline we're pointing back to 1300 BC. That's the time when Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, was written. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we read these words. And it's about the nation of Israel. It says, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue shall, uh, shall not understand. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favour to the young. And we look at this. This was made 1300 BC. And again, this relates back to the, the prophecy that we've just seen fulfilled, AD 70. So, can we think of a nation which comes in like an eagle? Can we think of a nation with a, which spoke a language which the Jewish people didn't understand? All the way through prophecy we get these little sort of, these little details. This was again looking forward to AD 70. So we can see, right, well, this verse confirms to that time. But the prophecy continues. The prophecy goes on in uh, Deuteronomy. It then says, And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth, even unto the other, as there thou serve of the gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shall I find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee a a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, why God it were even, and even thou shalt say, would God it were morning for the fear of thine heart. Wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. It's a very dramatic prophecy, and again, some people might have said, "Well, this was this was what happened in 870. They they were uh, the Jewish nation was dispersed all around the corners of the world. Yes, that's 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 right. That that creates right. They were sent into countries uh, <clears throat> where it says." There will be certain of the gods, effectively idols, idols of wood or gold. I mean, yes, that all happened after AD 70. But it's the the bit that I've highlighted that really sort of strikes home. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. That's very powerful. And that's very specific. And if we look at history, then really that that, that uh, line seems to be referring to the events of the 20th century uh, to uh, the, the holocaust which took place during the second world war because what we know is that between 1939 and 1945 approximately 6 million Jews were killed by the Nazis many in concentration camps many uh, through just being um, shot and the uh, firing lines The Jewish people suffered humiliation both before their deaths and even after they'd been killed. Everybody in the concentration camps had its uh, dull teeth removed, hair cut off, the, the body was effectively defiled. This seems to be the outworking of that prophecy from 1300 BC. Anything that's happened in the intervening periods does not compare to what happened in the middle of the last century. The thing, though, was in that prophecy from 13th BC, there was another bit, a final bit. So we've seen that there will be, that the, the, the Jewish people, that they will be uh, dispersed, we've seen that they will be persecuted, but then it continues. Now, I've, <clears throat> I've actually chosen a different version of the same prophecy. This is from the, uh, from the uh, book of Ezekiel. If we carried on in Deuteronomy, we would see the same thing, and it's about the Jews coming back together. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, we read, and I will bring them out from the people and gather them, gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountain of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. So that prophecy was around about 582 BC when that was made. So it was prophesied that the Jews would become a nation again and have their own land. Now even 150 years ago, this bit of prophecy looked very unlikely. It seemed highly unlikely that the Jewish nation would would come. uh, The Jewish people would have would have their land again, and during the dark days of the Second World War, it looked completely impossible. In fact, there was. It looked as though there would be no Jewish nation left at the end of the First World, Second World War. But the prophecy came true. The prophecy was fulfilled in AD nineteen forty eight, because we uh, what we see and. Some of you here may may you remember it. On May the 14th, 1948, David Ben-Gurion, the head of the Jewish Agency, proclaimed the establishment of the State of Israel. On the same day, US President Harry S. Truman recognised the new nation. So in many of our lifetimes, we have seen a Bible prophecy fulfilled. But let's just consider the timescale between... When the prophecy was made and when it it actually was fulfilled. If we run from BC 582, we could actually go further back even. We're talking nearly two and a half thousand years between a prophecy being made and it actually being fulfilled. Now, again, it depends how you look at this. That personally actually calms my mind over future prophecies. The Apostle Peter made two observations about this timescale in his letters. In one point he says With the Lord a day is like a thousand years And a thousand years are like a day The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise As many understand slowness He is patient with you Not wanting anyone to perish But everyone to come to repentance So just because to us Two and a half thousand years Seems an incredibly long time Because it's much longer than our lifetimes With God it's not So just because we think Things aren't happening immediately As we expect them to Doesn't mean that God has forgotten his prophecies It just means that God is working the land. He also said in the last days there will be scoffers who doubted that God will fulfill his prophecies. So people think that some of these prophecies haven't happened, won't. Because he says, well, you know, why haven't they they, um, happened yet? Well, we just need to be patient. They will happen when God wants them to happen. Maybe in our lifetime it may not, but they will happen. This is what we can see. The timescale is irrelevant. The point being, they are fulfilled. <clears throat> but this prophecy about the Jews isn't complete. I said it was a partially fulfilled prophecy. So you might think, well, that's it. Well, no, again, there's just one final bit up to this prophecy. Uh, again, going from Ezekiel, it says, Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge them cattle and cattle. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be the shepherds. Well, this certainly isn't true at the moment, because it says that uh, his people shall no more be a prey, and that the leader will be from the line of David. Well, if you look at the first part, they shall no more be a prey, well, that couldn't be further from the truth. Israel is still under attack, mainly from its neighbours. Uh, but also Iran now this picture here is from the Iron Dome defence system which uh, Israel has and what it does is it knocks out missiles as, as they come in into uh, as they're being attacked it's been in operation since March 2011 by October 2014 it had intercepted 1200 rockets so that means that on average a missile is launched at Israel every day So, to say that they are no more a prey, it has not been fulfilled. This is a partially fulfilled prophecy. To say that the leader is from the line of David has not been fulfilled. This is why it's a partially fulfilled prophecy. But what we do know, though, is that it will be completely fulfilled in the kingdom of God, the future kingdom. So, hopefully, you'll see the reason why I've spent this long explaining about prophecies is because it can portray ideas and images that we struggle to comprehend. And so, it's our natural tendency to want to dismiss them, because we think, well, that could never happen, that's impossible. And yet, throughout history, the impossible keeps happening. What to man seems impossible, what God has said will happen, does happen. So, let's turn our attention now to these, these amazing prophecies about the kingdom of God. The major theme of the Bible relates to the society of the kingdom of God, and we're told this will happen when Jesus, who is from the line of David, returns to the earth, and will return the earth back to the way it was a creation, a perfect world. So, if we just... Uh, look at a few of these prophecies. So this is a prophecy from Micah. This is what we read uh, as an introduction, uh, written around about BC 718. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the Lord shall go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem." Now, the idea of people actually going to Mount Zion, people going to Jerusalem for instruction and it being at peace, seems impossible, it seems far-fetched, but this is what it is actually saying. It predicts that there will be peace in the Middle East. And if we continue, it says, And he shall judge among many people, and he breaks from nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. Again, it sounds impossible. A world at peace. A world with no war. A world with no fighting. But this is what has been prophesied. And on God's past record, this is what will happen. And it's quite interesting that in some ways it's an idea, though, which man is striving to do. This, uh, this um, piece of artwork, this, this sculpture, is, is actually called Sort into Plowshares. It sits outside the United Nations building in New York. Uh, it was a gift when the United Nations was formed 70 years ago. And for 70 years, the United Nations has been trying to bring peace to the world. They've been trying. You know, The majority of people want peace, But it's never happened. Man cannot bring peace to the world. Man will always disagree. The only one who will bring peace to this world is God. So, whilst people may try, only when Jesus returns to the earth to set up his Father's kingdom will we actually have true peace. But this new world, this prophecy of the kingdom of God, it's not only going to result in political change, but actually. Physical ones. So, <clears throat> looking uh, again to a prophecy from Isaiah, so about 692 BC, it says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a child shall lead them. Again, if we know anything about the way animals behave this does not make sense this is impossible because we know that within the food chain that a wolf is higher than a lamb so the wolf will eat the lamb the child well if it was a grown adult he might be able to uh, uh, attack the wolf but not on a physical grounds a child again would probably be subjected to be attacked by the wolf so putting them all together in the same place does not make sense they will all fight they will all go back to their sort of primal urges but not in this kingdom there will be peace among the animals. There will be peace between animals and human. But as well as that, that's good news for the animals. It's even better news for us. Because if we go and look at another prophecy um, <clears throat> from Isaiah, again about 692 BC, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a hart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall water break out and streams in the desert. So, can we imagine a world where nothing aches, where there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no illness? Again, it might sound impossible. Interestingly enough, again, it's something that man is trying to do. This is what man is trying to do himself. You know, That medical uh, research, we're always trying to make ourselves live longer, have a better standard of life. Uh, and we're getting... So far with it, but ultimately we still all die. Only in this new kingdom, in the kingdom of God, will death be done away with and people will live forever in perfect health. Another problem we have in the world is famine. Again, we're told that will be resolved. Um, if we go to another uh, prophecy, this time from Amos, about 760 BC, this was made. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the ploughman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed, and the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit thereof. It's building up this 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 image of this, this idyllic, peaceful land where nobody is in fear, nobody is hungry, nobody is ill. That's what's being prophesied. And as I say, many people in the world cannot comprehend that. And they think that this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So... If that's what the world's going to be, when will this happen? Well, <clears throat> I'm not going to spend too much time on this because this is a subject we are looking at next week and we'll look in much more detail about the prophecies about the return of Christ and when this is all going to happen. But, we think soon. Now, you may say, <laughs> yeah, define soon, because actually on, on what I've just said, um, it's been three and a half thousand years so far, give or take a couple of hundred years. So to suddenly turn around and say, well, this is going to happen soon, um, it's a bit of a stab in the dark, isn't it? You know, how, what, what makes us think that, that, this is a, that these events are, are going to happen soon, that Christ will return soon? Well, just think about it. Think about, I said before, there's an argument about prophecy, about wherever you are in, in history, you can make the prophecies fit your current time scale. that doesn't work actually certainly the prophecy we've just seen doesn't work what we do know is that there were prophecies being fulfilled until about AD 70 that was probably the last one we can can actually put our finger on and say that was predicted that happened we then had about 2000 years of nothing much happening really when there were no major prophecies you know, if you were in the 15th century not much going on nothing that you could look at in your day to day life that would go oh this is happening we had this very fallow period of nearly 2,000 years suddenly 20th century prophecies are being fulfilled again Jewish people nearly wiped out and given a land in the space of 100 years it seems as though the time, this fallow time of, 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 of um, God's hand in the world, it's suddenly it, it's gone. Things are happening again. Things are moving again. Prophecies are being fulfilled. We are back in a. We are living in a time when prophecies are being fulfilled in front of our eyes. So, if the prophecies that we've seen, these prophecies are being fulfilled, the ones about the return of Christ, which we'll say we'll look at next week, will also happen. It's amazing to think, and it's an exciting time to actually think that we are living in the days when Christ could return at any time. The prophecies about Israel, they've been fulfilled, they're in the land, there's no reason why. There is nothing stopping Christ from coming back, instantly. I just want to finish, with, this is one quote about what it will be, and as I say, I don't want to talk too much about this, because we're looking at this next week, but just want you to leave you thinking about this. As it was in the days of Noah, this is Jesus speaking, speaking about what it will be like when he returns. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and they took them all away so also shall the coming of the son of man be now this reference to Noah some people think it's about the state of the world um, there's two aspects to it one, what happened with Noah is that the people ignored God they ignored Noah Noah spent hundred years building an ark they ignored Noah they didn't want to know they were quite happy in their own lives that is how it is the world that we live in today nobody want, wants to know it also, was, they were just going about their day-to-day business. They were just going about their day-to-day lives. And the flood came. In the same ways that we will be going around our day-to-day lives. And Christ will return. It continues. Um, <clears throat> then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken away and the other left. The two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken the other left. That's how quickly it will happen. Work will be at work. We will, uh, work colleagues will disappear. God willing, we will disappear. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what the hour the, your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what time the thief would come, he would have watched, and he would have suffered his house, and so he would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready from such an hour as ye think not. The Son of Man cometh. These are the words of Jesus. It could happen at any time. Christ is coming to establish the kingdom of God. We don't know exactly when it will happen. It will happen quickly. So now, this is the time for us to prepare. If we want a part in the wonderful prophecy, wonderful world that's been prophesied the now is the time that we need to act because what we can say what we can believe from scripture jesus is returning to set up god's kingdom and what we have to ask is are we ready we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website Christadelphians.org.uk